calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Very Sharp Blades are the first team to step out onto the field for this year's Grand Proving, and the audience is on their feet. The excitement is overwhelming. Guess I got this straight. The Very Sharp Swords realized anyone was dumb, and to fix it, they made it the Very Sharp Blades, because the type of weapon was the problem. Now would you look at these kids? Shaking like a leaf, caught on the first autumn wind. We all shake with them. Oops, that's Haiku. Sorry everybody, my bad. But seriously, that is not the attitude you want to have stepping into the arena. Combat without confidence is a recipe for failure. Though the cheering from the crowd seems to be bolstering their spirits as they make their way down the field. That's it. Let hype flow, children. River of adrenaline rush to silent seas. What the hell am I doing? For those of you just joining us, we're on the very start of round one of the 16th Grand Proving, which will decide which new teams will join the novice rank for the coming year. My name is Kip Gilligan, voice of the LUQ and servant of the Nexus Enterprise. With me as always is co-commentator Supreme and League veteran Stormclad Thunderton. The arena's unfolding the first challenge, the first bud of spring. Battles destined for fall, thorns ever present. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Ugh, anyway, the new would-be team. Ugh. Very sharp blades are about to walk into a new take on an old classic. The Halls of Madness. Kip, I helped design the deadliest traps we've seen to date. If they play their cards right and stay focused, they'll survive. But if they show weakness, it's gonna be a wet one. And with that, the shot's been fired. The team is off with incredible speed. That confidence is really starting to manifest now. And they are through the threshold. Yes, go, go. Be as the dungeon. Cold, hard, become one with stone. Look beyond the veil. Oh, gods damn it. The interns got me Baba Java Chaiku instead of the Black Roast. Idiots. Tony the Mace is in the lead. He sees a pit trap and goes for the long jump. <laughs> a rookie mistake. In the spring of youth. Nope. <laughs> He's made the jump, but here come the crossing blades and... Ouch. Tony the Mace is down. Head first. <laughs> That's what we call the Alcaran necktie. Kip, those blades are so sharp you can shave a gerbil with them. May I say that based on... Zero information or testing. Lady Mist is following in his wake, but recalculates her path, seeing her teammate fall. She goes left, and there comes the necrotic wall. Oh boy. She hits it head on, and nothing but bones comes out the other side. Lady Mist is down. We call that one the bone zone. Damn, this team better get their act together if they want to see the other side of this trap-filled hall of death. Storm, in the time it took you to say that, TJ Sampson and Xavier Jones have both been crushed under the incredible impact of a pair of stone fists. And there goes the buzzer. A resounding failure for the Very Sharp Blades. That's... That was pretty swift. I mean, they should have seen those hazards coming. You gotta keep moving, you know, ducking, weaving, serpentine. And speaking of serpentine, here come the deadly snakes from hidden wall chambers to take advantage of the fresh meat in their domain. Those clerics are gonna have a hard time getting to those bodies. That has to be the fastest total party kill I've seen in all my years behind the desk, Kip. 
But hey, now that the shock's worn off, the audience is getting into the bloodshed. Huh? I mean, hot dog sales are gonna take a hit, but that's the price you pay for good violence. And while we reset the field and prepare for the next proving, let's take a peek at what's happening to some of the ranking teams who will be competing for the new tiers in the next season to come. Honestly, as much fun as the grand proving is, it's just an amuse-bouche for the trials of Ascension. It's like saying hi to the kids' table at Spirits Rest before sitting down to watch your family go to war over the last piece of roast goose. Hey, a winter analogy without symbolism. I think we're good. Well, we've got more tasty mouthfuls of brave heroes facing trials of might, so stay tuned. Harithax. You find yourself pacing through an endless black void, weariness in your limbs as your heavy tail drags behind you. The echo of your stiff claws clicking against stone drifts away into nothingness. The soft whines of hunger from the creature living on your arm grow distracting. You've been walking for days now. You simply picked a direction and pressed on. A march of faith. Something aches inside of you. You feel like an egg, as though a furious whelp is gestating in anticipation of breaking you open. Misery in layers. Finally, after the length of days has lost meaning, and you'd replayed the choices of your life over and over again once more in your mind, a light. At first, surely madness. After this endless void, a distant light preposterous. But there it is. Weak. Flickering. Blue. A halo of dim luminescence that draws you in. A child in dark clothing holds a clay pot in one hand. A fading blue rose hums with energy as it slowly wilts and petals blow away on an unfelt breeze. The child holds its hand out looking up to you with three bright eyes. Come with me. I have something important to show you. Uh, Zancam, is this real? Where are we? Take my hand and I'll show you. Uh, I do. And then you leave the ground. You don't soar or feel resistance. There is no sense of weightlessness or lift. You simply exist upward at an impossible rate. The five kingdoms vanish below you. The stars come crashing down around you. A wall of pale yellow covered in cracks and craters. The surface of the moon. Within reach. And you begin to soar over it through valleys and past mountains. Until you reach the end of it. You reach the edge of the moon. It's not a sphere. But it's not flat either. It's like a dome, a shield, a porthole. And as you pass the threshold and are allowed behind this barrier, you become aware of what is being shielded. You see perhaps an entity, a vastness beyond calculation. It's impossible to tell where its edges start and the night sky ends. It exists in too many dimensions. Your mind panics to imagine what you're looking at, grasping for logic or structure. And the more you try to focus, the more able you are to start to process a facsimile of an image. A non-Euclidean cathedral of flesh, with curved bone buttresses and towering prismatic stained glass windows. But each facet of these windows' endless mosaics is a colossal eye. It undulates in places like sacks of air breathing in reality and exhaling madness. It presses up against the lunar shield like a kraken being held back by a soup spoon. You can see the front and back of it at the same time, but you don't know how. The fact is driven home as each pupil of each monstrous eye turns to face you all at the same time. It's 
seems you've survived the projection. Though I am no expert in such trivial distinguishings as life and death. You reek of a prison at the center of the sphere, the blood-soaked breath of a hungry dog waiting for the scraps of the apocalypse. You chose a fine time to serve such a creature, considering this world's proximity to its final days. And there you are floating in the void in the presence of this mass entity. It seems to speak in all languages at once and rattles you to the core. This doom you speak of, is this the one that Zancam thought you would prevent? A piece of the puzzle. My concerns are not in prevention, but spectation. A gift was sent some years ago. The same gift that is always sent before a world is consumed into memories. But this time something happened. The gift was lost or hidden. The plans changed, and now the end is reinvented. But we do not honor these things by knowing more of them. Even your question is a leap closer to the finality of your existence. And you feel a burning energy between your eyes, on your brow, like something pulsing and pushing, the egg hatching inside of your brain. I have planted a seed of my knowledge in your mind. It is a gift and a curse, and I am beyond asking permission. There is something inside you, something that boils away at your dark insides like a fizzing oil spark on the water. A shredded slice of corrupt celestial flesh stolen from a distant world. It will kill you. I'd like to let it. But I can do better. I can free you from this if you give me the doorway to pull it through. This question is not yes or no. I despise such binaries. Choices have shades of gray. Lie to me. Make me a deal. None of it matters. In this place, I am everything. But beyond this accursed wall, my light cannot shine. It says, brushing against the moon. I need those who roam freely to carry my candles and show me what I cannot view from here. Can I save you, child? Will you bear my light? Harthax pauses just a moment. Maybe. Then for now, our pact is tentative. A trial period, perhaps. But I refuse to deny myself a front-row seat for the end of your world. Now awaken, lost child. You have slept too long. And to ensure my view is unobstructed, you shall sleep no longer. Be gone. The team is in the lounge of ultimate questing, having a late lunch, going over some of the plans and strategies of the upcoming trial of Ascension. Harathax, you awaken with a sleeping figure in a chair beside you, a woman in clerical robes, who seems to have drifted off after bandaging some of your recent wounds. You feel a fizzling energy inside of you, 
like some sort of toxin releasing in the form of a mist, and a burning pain between your eyes. There is a wilted rose in your hand. Harthax's eyes snap open, and for a minute, although no one's there to see it, there is just the void. There are no eyeballs. It's just sucking black emptiness. And then their nictitating membranes close over that blackness, and their eyes are a normal, glossy black to the outside observer. And I sit up, and my arm hurts as the symbiote has begun consuming it, not being fed any additional food. As I was told it would, it's began to consume me. You hear the door creak open, and you see the figure of Artyom entering, unaware of your consciousness perhaps grabbing something. Artyx, you're awake. Yes, it seems so. My gods, it's been so long. I was told as much. It has been. I'm so sorry. They're gone. Who's gone? The short-lived ones. It's just you and me now. Decades of... (laughs) Sorry, I'm so sorry. No, I could not maintain it. Ugh, what is with your face? Do I have a third eye? There is a large bulge with a glowing rune. I don't know. Is it new? I mean, you've probably had more observation of me than I have lately. I don't remember you having a third eye. Oi, Arvid. Ah, hello. Is this this normal? Oh. Oh. Uh. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) Pokes. Pokes at Haru. And the conversation seems to awaken Kirsha, who is the cleric who's been tending to you. Why did you give him another eye? Ah, this is... Not something that I'm responsible for. She goes in immediately into an analytic mode to inspect it. She feels it with her fingers and prods it. It feels very tender. Hmm. And it seems hot to the touch. She actually recoils when you hear a hissing sound. This seems to be not so much a growth as a... Well, it feels like it's part of your skull. We should get Zen Cam. What is this? I may have some insight into what he thought he was attempting to do. He had third eye, didn't you? He does. Is Maven here? He's downstairs. Maven. After a moment, he comes up, tucking some paperwork into a scroll. You weren't here. I had to deliver a joke, and I did a terrible job. Oh, I missed it. I'm I sorry. Broke in the middle. Here's new thing. Maybe we should call Zen Cam? Oh, he walks over. First of all, I'm very glad to see you're awake, Harithax. How are you feeling? Ah. Uh, different. Different. That seems to be a running theme with when you go missing, whether it be physically or mentally. Yeah, it's funny how that seems to work, isn't it? So how long has it been? You're all still alive? Even Christ? Where's Christ? He's been off on his own a bit today. He's around somewhere, though, I'm sure. We, don't worry, we will tell him he died. It's been a few days since the team returned from their voyage to the stars. Five days now, I think. We just returned from some training near Andesign. What a wild event that was. My legs feel like Ludovisk. Uh, I actually lost a leg, so... I look down. It's back. It, it's back. I got better. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, have been preparing for the Trial of Ascension. Mortal Dawn is ready to potentially make the jump to champion rank team. Ah, I see. Well, you didn't miss much. It was mostly just capture this leg. And Chris's still alive? Duh. I'm madly surprised. Kirsha begins to weave her hands and 
cast a healing incantation on you. And it feels really good. And she looks very surprised. She says, Huh, this is the first time my healing magic has worked on you since you've returned. Something must have changed inside of them. Whatever it was I was feeling is, is gone. Your body was rejecting divine magic. Interesting. I may have, I look at Artyom, some idea where that came from. You don't think it was uh... Something I ate? Duh. Maybe. I'll tell you about it later. Well, I'm afraid tracking down Zancam's not going to be as easy as writing a letter or sending a messenger. They've been off the grid for a bit now. They're somewhere in Lucinilli, I assume, for safekeeping, but uh, they're not being kept in a cage. All right. Well, what's a few days? I don't mean to alarm you, Harithax, but the trial is in two days. Do you feel up to it? The team does need you as a fourth member to enter. I think I can manage. I don't feel ill. I think I'm just as strong as ever. I look down at my increasingly symbiotic arm. Maybe stronger. I'll be sure to get some food up here very quickly for you. You should have slight planar atrophy. It may take you a few hours to be able to walk, but Kirsha will tend to you and make sure you have all the nutrients you need and the healing magic to repair your broken body. Team, in the morning, there is a large ship leaving from the port. It's traveling around the coast of the Five Kingdoms and picking up some of the many teams that will be participating after the Grand Proving is done. Almost like a luxury yacht. Should be a fun voyage, and it will be taking you all directly to the floating Colosseum owned by the Nexus Enterprise. Well, if there's any preparations you need, this goes for all of you present, and I will find Chris and communicate this as well. Just be ready in the morning. Pack enough for a couple of days. We did have a shipment arrive via transport from Andesign. And he goes downstairs and gets some of the workers to help with the box that's being brought up. And he lifts it onto the table and opens it. It looks like an old wooden box that says books on the side of it, just like painted on. And it gets torn open and there's like, there's Aspen shavings and cut up paper. And packed inside are some of the items that the group either had modified or special ordered. The pink prick is there. The chromaticer attached to it is pulsing with new runes. And it seems to have a kind of white vial of liquid on top of it, pulsing with magical energy. <laughs> look at this they pick it up load the bad boy bolt clips right into place as usual hey Hurtix don't duck and I take a shot at him <laughs> why are you shooting white fluid at me through your pink prick <laughs> <sighs> uh, I'd say that's a hit <laughs> caught off guard laying in bed uh, the bolt immediately strikes you dead in the torso Got that. but instead of the normal impact of a strong piercing bolt it seems to dissolve immediately, and you feel another surge of healing energy like you were just feeling wash over your body. Thank you. Right? Isn't this nice? Does it still shoot the other ones? Duh. I can taste that on you if you prefer. Oh, I was very concerned you may have made your weapon highly ineffective for combat, that's all. Duh. <laughs> and uh, you can see the vial is now about two-thirds full. Mm. So he wasn't able to make it permanent. He said he did everything he could with a brand new enchantment. Duh. Okay. Uh, there's a small package wrapped in leather that has Christ's name on it. And then there's a very heavy, wide suit of chainmail uh, made of mithril, Arvid's original armor, but now it has new sigils and facets attached to it. And it seems even lighter than it was before. Your suit has danglers. Danglers? Danglers. Sigils. Other nonsense. It, uh, yeah, it's special now. Look, look. Um, shiny? More shiny? What does it do? Uh, it should help me a little with getting hit, honestly. You I, need every I, bit of help yes. for this, you can. 
Uh, I've gone, I've gone down a couple of times. Where is Chris when you need him? <laughs> <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> I, I love it. you all so much. <laughs> <laughs> A maven immediately sits back down and finishes. It seems like he's been extra tied up in paperwork lately. Things, forms that you haven't even seen him working on before. It's it's branched out from business blueprints of the tavern and receipts and tax information and league information to just a whole myriad of different paperwork. I'll get you to Christ when they see him. Thank you. Well, I have a lot to do before the evening, and I assume some of you have your own personal business to attend to. But I will be right here if you need me. I hope the food comes up soon, because I'm peckish to say the least. The food! And I immediately <laughs> run downstairs. <sighs> Do I get gnocchi? <laughs> yes, there are there are trays of food ready to go, um, to be brought up for the team. And there's extra portions of like raw fish and meat on the plate. Once Jean-Pierre heard that Harothax is recovering. So as the day progresses, we see Kirsha helping Haru to their feet, regaining your strength the team eating together save for Chris and as the sun sets we find Chris Sagrand alone this evening it's starting to rain Chris is at the lake where Harothax and himself once talked about letting the discord go and letting harmony live he stares off into the reflection of the lake with each thunderclap he begins to reverberate with it he looks into the reflection of the lake and says a song that lasts too long is never remembered. In the reflection of the lake, you see Christ, his crystal hand, plunge into his gem heart over and over and over until the reflection is occluded with blood and magic. The next morning, the team assembles, wearing their new gear and ready to go on their voyage to the Arena of Proving. Maven usually dresses well, but the outfit he's wearing today puts all past ensembles to shame. Class, decadence, opulence, all married perfectly in rich royal purples and buttons and cuffs, the color of the sunrise. What do we see from each of the team members as they assemble outside of the lounge? Arvid strolls out alongside Morty. He's wearing his classic white wolf cloak and wrapped cloths, as well as his newly beruined chainmail. Morty is also a bit dressed up. You can still see his war paint under some light barding. It looks like it's just cloth, basically. A nice dog dress. Beaming a smile and ready to meet any challenge. The shadows of the interior cling to Harithax as they step outside, sort of squinting in the bright sunlight as they're carrying a satchel with their armor in it. They are in their customary, mostly clothesless garb with their equipment packed. They're not anticipating needing to be armed or armored for the voyage. And the new sort of bulge on their head is emphasized by horns that you would swear have grown slightly once again as Harithax follows their more bedecked companion towards the ship. Artyom's hair has recently been freshly cut with the undercut, shaved on the sides and back. The hair seems just a little bit more curly, a little bit more bounce. He seems to be putting a little bit more effort into his aesthetic. His specialty light protective goggles are on his face with the moth motif, giving him a very almost posh and obnoxious aesthetic. This is further reinforced by the fact that his coat has been recut to a slimmer, tighter fit, though still with a very high collar that comes just under his jaw. 
he has reduced a significant portion of his unnecessary load, carrying only his magic weapons and some essentials. His coat, however, now has less red as the purple from the bottom seems to have grown taller. The gradient is steeper. When Chris walks in, you first notice his hair. Tied in Viking braids and a faux hawk. His hair used to be black with a white streak. Now it's white entirely with black tips. The kindness in his eyes seemed to have died. The stubble, once manicured and perfect, growing in, a little shaggy now. The chest, where the twin gem heart used to beat, is shattered and frayed and scattered across his body. He wears it like a trophy. His chest is open in his new garb, all black with gold trim and the symbol of the mortal dawn emblazoned on the back. The logo, a half-skull with a sunburst crown. Chris walks over to Artyom. Artyom. <laughs> what is this? So edgy. I'm glad you like it. Look, there, little fashionista, yes? Yes, I, I see you definitely made an effort. I look over at Arvid with just kind of a shrug. Yeah, he did. He did, right? I mean, we all tried, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You all look great. Everybody looks great. We're all comfortable with each other, right? I wouldn't be practically naked if I wasn't. Yeah. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. In fact, no more games. Let's all be serious now. Are we professional game players? There's an uncomfortable silence. <laughs> <laughs> we all, we all stop in our tracks and just, just like look at each other like, uh... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look, everyone, I'm a weapon. Go ahead and use me. Aside to Artyom, I am feeling uncomfortable. He's going through a breakup. He's going to be uncomfortable. Maven moves over and puts his hand on Chris's shoulder and says, Chris, you look excellent. The crowd is going to love you. I know. You look like you're ready for battle. More than ever. But you still make it look good. <laughs> yes, I do. Follow me. Archim sticks his tongue out with kind of a mock repulsion, but shakes it off. Maven escorts you all to the private wagon that takes you down to the docks. And there is a ship there that dwarfs all of the others at the pier. A massive yacht, maybe 50 feet tall out of the water. Ridiculous in proportions. Embossed with the crests of the League of Ultimate Questing and the Nexus Enterprise. There's a crowd of people that are throwing confetti that peppers the surface of the ocean. And a large gangplank leading a few esteemed individuals up onto the barge. You're brought aboard, and in a short time, it leaves the port. You learn that aboard this vessel, there are some very influential nobles who are investors in the League, people with private seats, people who sponsor teams, but there are also other teams that will be engaging in their own trials of ascension. There are two novice-ranked teams that are going to be trying to make the jump up to hero. There is one other hero-ranked team like yourselves. There is a champion-ranked team, and for the first time in many years, there is a paragon-ranked team that's going to attempt to make the leap into legendary. The first new legendary team the League has seen in quite a time. On this ride, Chris is going to go right up to the most beautiful female member of this Paragon team and says, Let's dance. Um, I believe the gala starts tomorrow when we arrive at the island. More reason to practice now. He snaps his fingers and an unearthly chorus starts. And this lovely, braided, broad-shouldered, but finely gowned uh, half-orc respects your confidence. And 
leads you in a dance. Hmm. There is a buffet. There are drinks, flutes of champagne, snifters of fine brandy, and an air of elegance to this yacht. You each have a private room with a double-sized bed. There are robes and towels. There is a hot tub, swimming pool, and monodrones attending to your every need. It's a fairly enjoyable trip. It takes the better part of a day. And as the day passes on, you look out over the deck. And there in the distance, coming into your life for the second time, is the Arena of Proving, the place where it all began. Storm, I just don't know what to say at this point. I've never seen a Grand Proving like this. What's everybody freaking out about? You play the game, sometimes you lose. It's like a whole, you know, back in order. If really reach for your dreams or, you know, get mulched. Well, out of the nine teams we've seen compete in the Proving so far, all nine of them have been completely destroyed within the first 30 seconds of their challenges. And what are you suggesting? A few greenhorns dash their heads against the rocks and you blame the landscaper? I'm not pointing any fingers, Storm, but these mechanized challenges seem to be quite a bit more aggressive and unpredictable than some from the past years. Huh. Unpredictable? Aggressive? Since when did difficulty equate to cruelty? Well, the blazing banners were devoured by insects just for entering the arena. Rule one of Dungeoneering. Make sure it's not full of hungry insects. They should know that. The Parian's crown was incinerated in a five-foot-wide lava fall in a five-foot-wide hallway. Well, then maybe they shouldn't have taken that hallway. Storm, you really know what you're doing when it comes to making, uh, well, challenges. I just, I just know the crowd likes to see, you know, a little success <laughs> and progress. The scoreboard is just covered in skulls. And who doesn't like skulls? <sighs> Well, folks, we may have a little fine-tuning to do before we move on to the next round of the Proving, and maybe someone should go down to the field and request to have some light changes made. Don't double-talk me, Gilligan. You want me to pad the corners? I'll pad the corners. One big old shipment of baby helmets coming through. Special delivery to protect the adventurer's precious spontaneous. In the meantime, let's enjoy some ads from this Grand Proving sponsors. Stay tuned for more action. We know adventuring is hard. And that's why we've gotten the top magicians in the land to produce an all-new luxury item to ease the weariness of the hero's robe. This pair of positively and negatively charged magical rune spheres send waves of tickling energy through your body, comforting you, increasing your blood flow, and massaging your aches from the inside. Now questing has never been better. With Questicles. Questicles. Just take one ball in each hand and wait for the magical sensation to wash over you. It tickles and I love it. Don't drop or sit on your questicles because they're fragile. Keep them safe in our handy questicle ball sack so they're always well within reach. Questicles. They can get dirty out on the road, but they're easy to wash with soap and water. Keep your questicles sparkling to impress your friends and family. Check these out. Whoa, nice questicles. Can I hold them? Be my guest. Wow, they're heavy, but they feel amazing. You said it. I can't wait to get questicles of my own. Questicles. Everyone wants them. Everyone needs them. Order now and get a third ball for free. Grab these enchanted balls and feel the magic of questicles. Warning, keep questicles away from children and do not put them in your mouth. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests 
where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Season's greetings, LU cuties. I got a flu shot and I have a sore throat and snivels in response, making today's gravelly storm voice a little bit more of a challenge than usual. So I hope you can forgive any voice breakage or pitch issues. In other news, we've got another League of Ultimate Questions coming up. We're recording it this Sunday, the 11th of October. So if you have any big questions, especially good conversation starters, please jump on our Discord and drop them in the questions channel. The community has already given us a lot of ammo, but we're always excited for more. Speaking of the community, I want to give thanks to our Patreon subscribers, in particular the Legendary teams, with the Moonlight Veil, the Oathsworn, the Ancestors Fury, the Cultured Cutthroats, the Iron Rhapsody, and this week's featured team, the Tavern Brawlers, with Dave Mladenov, Daniel Pickens-Jones, Tracy Rivington, and Dovathor. Thank you all again so much. This week's episode was edited by Wes Scottco, a friend of mine who's been doing radio and podcast work for a long time. It's great to have him helping us out. Thanks, Wes. It's skeleton season, and for those of you who've been following Slapdash since the golden years on YouTube, you know we like to make a big deal out of it. So, for the month of October, my and Law's solo streams will be all spooky all the time. Law will be playing through Hollow Knight, a breathtakingly beautiful and grimsical platformer, and one of my personal favorites, and I will be trying out new horror indie games all month, as well as revisiting some old favorites and some AAA titles. So tune in Monday through Friday, 6pm to around 9pm for our streams. That being said, our Soul Link Nuzlocke will be airing as normal on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 7.30 to about 10.30. We hope to see you there. Thanks, and let's get you back to the action. The following is an introduction to a paper written by an elven archer in the Elm Sworn Legion during the Triad War in 2161 AS. The two years I have spent in this war are but a single grain of sand in the curved glass of my existence. Each day the Elmsworn Legion travels north in longships to meet the enemy head-on. They never stand a chance. I have been pulling an arrow to my ear for over 200 years. I have exhaled and released that flight to the target more days than many of their leaders have been alive. And though the weight and length of my marksman's list grows long with each new foe I fell, my hatred for them burns. I hate their barking laughter echoing off the beach stones in the evening. I hate the wake of filth and debris left behind them as they march blindly to war, as much to serve as to escape their own crown. I rest soundly each night knowing I have plucked their leaves from the tree of life and have added them to the flames of my pure hate. They don't even know the true threat. These years of battle... This endless conflict between the humans and the dwarves. To them it's about land. To them it's about broken promises and lost coins. They don't even realize the true threat will meet us all equally. A fourth army greater in its parts than any of us. A forsaken world seeking to reclaim what was once lost. The hives now travel boldly through the Drexian shift. Soon the moon will hide behind a wall of midnight and the real battle will begin. Bethanas Balthean, the seeds of our ancestors are the homes of our future. Join us for Late Night Nexus, history investigation of the war that made waves we still feel today, the trials and tribulations of the Triad War, tonight at nine. <laughs>
As the yacht pulls up to the Colosseum, the passengers disembark and make their way inside. The teams that were aboard and the nobles are led past the crowds, shoulder to shoulder, making their way in. You hear the roaring of a crowd and the sound of combat and the explosion of magical spells in the distance. The grand proving is happening now. The trials of ascension will follow once they complete. And you're led upstairs to the private area, overlooking the Colosseum through a huge glass window. It looks like a massive ballroom. Statues of famous League members adorn the walls. Trays of food are carried by more monodrones. There are faces you recognize from legendary teams. There are people wearing the official colors, ready to greet every team as they come in and lead them off to their own private room before they attend the gala itself. You are met by a very stern-faced gentleman with gray hair, and you've worked with some of the officials of the League before, but this one seems to be very high-ranked. Well done. Please follow me. Right this way. And he takes you into a large chamber beyond the ballroom. What's your name? My name's Mr. Corbinson. And I'll be your attendant for the time you spend here. Before Cor- Corbinson? Corbinson, Corbinson. Yes. Good. Is your first name, mister? No, but that is the title you can refer to me as. I have a difficult job. I'm going to be here with you as we determine what your challenge will be. You to have the evening to prepare for it. I understand many of you are spellcasters, and this can be beneficial. We wouldn't want to blindside you. I welcome any challenge you throw our way. Well, you have lots of time to discuss plans with each other. We ask that you do not speak to the other teams regarding the challenges themselves. Hmm, that's no fun. Otherwise, be as social as you like. Hmm. And uh, a large mechanoid steps out. You've seen these before. These are the tri-drones. Large, triangular, three-faced modrons that deal with high processing of information that the League employs. This one seems to have a device built into its chest that looks like a tiny window with some sort of rotary behind it. Are they a three-sided pyramid? Mm-hmm. Okay. Team Captain, I would like you to pull this lever when you are ready. Huh? He gestures to a fixture on the tri-drone. They just pull it? Pull it hard, Artyom. Gross. This will randomize the challenge you will face tomorrow. He's like roulette. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, 32 black, and I pull on it. It whirs and clicks fast, slower, and you see a series of words whizzing past quicker than you can read. It slows, slows, the final click, the words the quadratet appear in the center. He says, interesting. Well, you've saved me a little bit of work for the evening. You've decided the challenge for both yourselves and the other champion rag team. The other? Yes. You will both be competing at the same time against each other. Oh, this is fun. Great. The quadratet is a very special kind of challenge. Ooh. Will, will you remind us, are there any special rules about two teams going in? Yes. You will not be fighting as a team. You will each be fighting individually at the same time as your allies. One-on-one combat. You will be in an extra-dimensional space. I implore you not to impart any kind of dimensional magic. It can be very interfering. Minor teleportations are allowed, but trying to leave the arena will result in a great deal of harm to your personal self. What about spells like banishment? That will not function in this pocket dimension. Good to know. I did not want you to waste your limited magic. Are we able to 
empower each other before the battle begins, or will those effects be washed off beforehand? You will have a brief moment before you enter. Any other questions? Nope. Am I allowed to ask if that punk-ass kid from our trial of proving is going to be here? <laughs> you're still you're still carrying a torch about that, eh? Aren't we all? Ah, yes. <laughs> they did not make the cut as you beat them. Oh, did they die? No. Oh. What this does mean is there's only going to be one new champion ranked team next year. We'll be rated on successful blows during the fight, utilizing your magic effectively, debuffing them, as they say, will give you points in a way, particularly fine strikes in combat. You'll be demoted if you do something foolish in combat. But if you can manage to knock them out, you'll be rewarded a great deal of extra points. All you have to do is last for six rounds. KO is not the objective. Earning more points is. But the KO is worth a lot. You each have your own private quarters. You're welcome to plan in one of those, not in the gala hall. But meals will be provided. There are drinks aplenty. Don't overdo it. We want you on your A-game. But now, please, go and mingle. Have a good time. This is a once-a-year event, and you've earned it. Well, I for one want to go dancing for a bit. Anyone else? I think you should heavily encourage the other team to get drunk off their asses. <laughs> Don't dance too much. Will do. So my uncle is dead. What? The Loshan? The Artyom, I'm sorry. Did no, you kill him? It's better. It's it's trust me, it's better this way. What? You are getting along with somebody who troubled you in your past. That's a great thing. The alternative is far worse. Turns out that what's going on with my family is more serious than I thought, but he also told me that I need to be careful. Because if they know that we're aware of what's going on, this could get worse. I wanted to let you know, because I've committed to coming back here, and I've committed to this team, and I want you to know if I'm distracted or if I make any uh, stupid decisions, this is why. I'm still unclear on whether or not you are the cause of his death. In a way, yes. But not directly. All right. It wouldn't have made much difference. I was just curious. Uh, sorry, w what do you mean? What do I mean what? What do you mean it wouldn't make much difference? Well, I mean, from what I understand of Drav family politics, it wouldn't be uncommon. Mm. What's the plan? There isn't one. I just wanted you to know what was going on and so that nobody would ask me publicly what happened at Loshed. And now you know. Are you all right? No, not in the slightest. You have to understand, um, there was more than just this. But uh, I don't think I'm ready to talk about that yet. That's fair. More than fair. I think getting this off my chest will help. He gives a very weak thumbs up. Harthax holds up one thumb. <laughs> Excellent. Go sleep. Have good times. Whatever you got to do. And the door is open and music fills the hall. Ah. <sighs> This is a welcome break. Tonight's music is provided by the Andesian Harmonic, one of the top orchestras in all of the five kingdoms, playing a classic historical symphony. Ah, uh, Harthax, I'm kind of sad to see you don't seem to have your uh, typical ball gown. Ah, yes. Well, sadly, I, I don't own that outfit in real life. It was just the illusory one. I suppose I could attempt to duplicate it, or Maven could maybe have ordered me one, but... I was a little out of it for a few days. Oh, you so should. It's your best look by far. 
and you see some other teams milling about. Um, Morty seems a little out of place, continually kind of like sniffing up at some of the waiters walking by with trays of food. But there are other animal companions here at the gala. Some of the other teams have their own trained animals. What animals? Uh, you notice a very large white, uh, what's known as a drake, um, in that it looks like a very large uh, Komodo dragon, but longer legs, slightly more draconic in build, kind of shuffling around, sniffing at things. It seems to be under the protection of a young woman in leathers. And there's also a very large green hunting cat with a mixture of stripes and spots. Arvid's going to take the soonest opportunity to find the bathroom and perform the animal. <laughs> Speak with animal stall, because he's got to chat these guys up, see how they're doing. You do find a private stall in the bathroom and enact your ritual and spend the evening chatting up a couple of very strange creatures from the far corners of the Five Kingdoms. Yes. Their owners are a little concerned at first, but then they realize that you are druidic in nature and uh, share in the conversation with you. Speak with animals always just sounds like French. <laughs> no idea why. <laughs> All animals speak French. Uh, Chris, there is a moment when the usual reverberation magic you feel inside of you quiets slightly, and you hear soft footsteps approach you and say, Chris Sagrand, you look different. I'm delighted. And you turn and you see the stark, short, white hair and elegant features of the commissioner, Mina Lurie. Ah, Mina Lurie. It's a pleasure to meet you again. She looks you up and down. Mm. Are you all right? She says, kind of looking at your chest. <laughs> oh, yes. Better than ever, even. She very cautiously reaches out to kind of touch the open wound. Oh, feel anything you want. It, it feels very strange because you have been informed that Miss Mina Lurie has two very powerful rings that negate magic to protect her because she has many people that are out for her head. Mm. Um, and as it comes into contact, there's a strange, like a negative static. Ooh, I felt a spark. Chris, I've been very impressed with your performance over the past few seasons. Oh, thank you so much. You have the kind of gifts that the crowd likes to see. Hmm. And what do you want to see? The rest of your team is excellent. All of them have proven themselves. They're strong. They're destructive. Hmm. They're abrasive at times. Mm -hmm. And it's charming. Just keep your options open. I'm watching you. Our team of figure also approaches you as you're sniffing some of the various beverages, looking for something less alcoholic. And you recognize the voice at first, but the fact that there is a body attached to it confuses you. So you hear, well, hi there, Artyom. It's been a long time since we've met each other. And you see Latette, the floating skull, and hovering over the neck of some sort of mechanical body, wearing a fine suit with a sort of microphone built into the hand. Nice ensemble. I got a promotion. I see. I didn't realize promotions came with bodies. Well, tomorrow is the Trial of Ascension, and I thought it would be exciting if we could round up the Mortal Dawn before you all turn in for the night and ask a few questions. I think I can do this. I flick my diamond earring, and from it a little bit of spark comes out, and I kind of coax it into the air, and then it bursts into the Mortal Dawn symbol. Nice. Uh, you are all immediately drawn to this symbol, and a couple of the nobles clap, and a couple of the teams roll their eyes. <laughs> I'm imagining it like... like uh overwatch or something like he triggers it and it just pulls all of us like from wherever we are just <laughs> <laughs> where are you booing me that was cool <laughs> and uh the group converges around artium and latette who gestures and leads you all to one of the more quiet corners away from the music 
I've been getting some hot interviews tonight, but I'm very excited for the four of you. So, let me ask you, as a team, what kind of things do you all do in your spare time when you're not adventuring or questing out in the field? He holds out his microphone hand. Uh, well, I, I tend to go on walks with my, my dear companions. I don't know if, uh, if you're personally familiar with Hydravor, our lovely, um, horseish fella. <laughs> Horse adjacent? Horse adjacent. <laughs> Horseish yeah. is a good descriptor of... Uh, and then of course, Morty. Everyone loves an animal lover. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, Artyom, are we being recorded right now? The. Being at this gala, you feel more recorded than you ever have at any point in your career. <laughs> well, I do anything that feels good in the moment. Definitely come by a little bar if you want a little something. I've been once. It was swell. <laughs> Too bad I can't drink anything. <laughs> oh, you. Your new body didn't come with a stomach. Well, it's hollow, but just be sloshing around interferes with the mic. I've been researching esoteric pursuits. Also working on an herb garden. Scholarly. You love to see it. What the hell do I do? I think I mostly cook. And brood. You do a lot of brooding. I brood. All the time. (laughs) It's not brooding. It's simply being. Am I brooding Mm. now? Yes. (laughs) Obviously. Sometimes I just catch you staring at the sun as it goes down. Sometimes like a single tear, you know? It's really bad for your eyes to stare at the sun for extended periods. That's why the deer. <laughs> it's not brooding if I cry a little bit when I look at sun. Oh, dear. I mean, sometimes I cry when I look at sun, but it is because it's good. You're all picking on me. I don't like this. <laughs> Everyone loves a good cook, Artyom. Duh. But whether or not I'm good, this is uh, debatable. Even if you don't have taste buds. You've all been garnering quite a bit of fame since you started in the league. How do you feel like you're adapting to the increase in popularity? Everyone looks at Chris. Oh, Chris and popularity? Me? No. It's brilliant. I like it. It's great that uh, people recognize me. Sometimes I'll get to see someone in the street and they grovel. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's it's nice. It's It's very sweet. I never really considered myself much of a role model, but it's a strange position to find myself in. I don't think anybody has even noticed me. Really? Artyom. Really? Are we famous? I haven't been watching the league for the last few months. But you've gone, you haven't gone down the street once? Really? I thought people were just looking at me because I'm jackass drive. That too. They think, uh, oh, racial enemy, maybe beat him to death. And then they say that I have weapon, they think maybe not. You have a line of eyewear named after you. The Oh, duh. This, this is a thing, there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Pretty pretentious, it's got to be said. And, and I'm sure you've seen my ads. Like that one there. (laughs) Excuse me. Well, I like the fact that you're humble. You all have a lot of strange gifts, but what would you think is the largest asset you bring to the team, both on the battlefield and off? Don't do it. I look at the crest. Can can I do it? Do it. Nah. Come on, you don't be gross. I am our largest asset. (laughs) I don't know why. I'm I'm large. See, look, I'm I'm like physically. I don't know why. I thought I thought you were going to go a different direction. It's like yeah. What what were we going to... Oh. I'll tell you later. Oh. Yes. That one. What oh. two? Morty barks excitedly. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what is the largest asset I bring to the team. I think our largest asset has to be our thematic consistency. 
We all approach every issue largely the same way, and we also seem to have something in common. But uh, we weren't forced together. It's not like we're a family like some teams, and we weren't friends since childhood. We didn't. Uh, we weren't forged in the battlefields. We had to come together on our own. I think it is organic. Hmm. Yeah, like the bottom of the bag, you know? And my herb garden. Capital. What? It's organic. It is like when you have leftover food that you don't know what to do with, and then you end up making something amazing, and then you want to replicate it, but you can't. We are uh, irreplaceable. Hmm. Now that's a printable metaphor. Are there any faults that you feel might drag the team down you'd like to see improved in yourselves? Uh, Chris just turns away a moment and laughs to himself. I need to be spending more time on healing. I'm a cleric. I'm the only healer on the team and the only proper healer anyway. The fact that I don't spend more time on this I think is dangerous. I could definitely stand to increase my tactical prowess. Every time I try and drop a big black sphere, it immediately gets negated by what everyone else is doing. I need to try and anticipate them better. I used to think that my cousins were just being mean, but I'm starting to believe I really am clumsy. (laughs) (laughs) Chris for a moment flashes with shard hide and then stone skin. I have no flaws. More perfect than a diamond. Okay. People do love confidence in a team like you. One of the most popular questions that I've been asking teams of your ranking. Are there any juicy love stories about the Mortal Dawn? Maybe even romances sparking within the group? People love a good team romance. This is a touchy question for our group. Is it? Because <laughs> uh, I've, uh, I've always been sloppy with love, that's why. <laughs> Oh, didn't you lose your virginity in the beaver skin hut on the top of a mountain like two months ago? It, it was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> she, she hasn't written back. Arvid. You know most of your clanmates are illiterate, right? Oh, <laughs> yes. Now it is coming. Okay, she probably misses me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe you need to make your annual pilgrimage to try for another child. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, well, I'm open to anything. We'll see after we win. I don't see a point in this question. Continue on. The last question I have is, what kind of things can the fans of the Mortal Dawn do to support you as a team? Uh, the uh, uh, guys? Let your local business owners know that they are welcome to reach out if they would like to sponsor us. Chris just takes a big old sip. Drink more chauffeur. I mean, take care of yourself. Uh, we're just here to entertain. If you're, if you're worrying about what we think, don't. Well, you've all been fantastic, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the gala. I'll be sure to get this out as soon as it's done being processed. And as Latette walks away, the music goes silent, and the crowd from beyond the window gets louder. You realize it's the final round of the Grand Proving. You move forward to spectate what's happening. And as you look down to the field, you see the team for just a brief moment before your view is obstructed by the splatter of blood. Well,
Well, folks, we're here in the final stretches of the Grand Proving, and after several revisions to the courses themselves, and team after team of failed attempts to survive the trial, we're down to the final one. Kip, I'm telling you, this shouldn't be that hard. I've turned the proverbial danger dial down so many times, if it goes any lower, we're looking at jello wrestle and a flump in your briefs. Entertaining, but not what luck's about. Well, if our final team, known as Abraca Danger, doesn't manage to pass their challenge, this will be the first year since the league started that we'll have no new novice-ranked teams for the next season. We still have plenty of novice-ranked teams from previous years on the roster, but to say this is an unprecedented turn of events is quite an understatement. If they're a magic-focused team, it's a wide-open battlefield with floating arcane runes they have to deactivate one at a time. There's one trap, Kip. One trap in the whole field. They have to pass this one. If they do, they'll be sure to go down in the history books as the one and only 16th annual novice-ranked initiate. I'm not sure how much more tension and bloodshed the crowd can handle at this point. If they don't, I can't imagine how it will look for the league leadership, the proving coordinators, and the general reputation of the franchise. <laughs> you, you said it. We'll never, uh, never make that mistake twice. They never do. All I have to do is hope and pray that African Danger passes their trial. One trap, Kip. Couldn't be easier. And right on cue, Abraca Danger makes their way nervously into the arena. The crowd is dead silent. The team looks understandably worried. Please, 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 you can do it. I've never rooted so hard for such a poorly named team. The shot is off and they've begun. They're playing it cautious, looking behind every rock and testing the earth carefully before stepping forward. Team captain Vian Lavendar spotted the runes. The team huddles to make a plan. Come on, lads, don't blow this for me. Anything can be trapped. Don't be dumb. Team members Chastity and Fellhorn take the flanks and press forward an inch at a time. Vian is shouting orders and they're off to work deactivating the magical runes. If they don't hurry, the wolves will be released. But they're making great time. Looks like they're keeping Nathaniel Towers in the back to spot potential threats. Smart. Smart. Good tactics. Chastity and Fellhorn are unweaving the intricate details of the runes in perfect synchronicity. Lion is pressing forward to close the gap with the final rune. And Felthorn finishes deactivating the first rune. Nice job, kid. Chastity follows shortly after, two runes down, but the wolf cages are starting to open. Lion's gone into a sprint. He's watching the land carefully for trap doors and deadly spikes. And he now has both hands on the rune. He's chanting like a madman to dispel the enchantment. Nathaniel's crying wolf while Chaz and Fell get ready to defend their captain. Good. Nathaniel's looking for a better vantage point to see the field. Oh god, he's starting to climb. No, 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 he's climbing the boulder. No, don't pick that rock! Why would you pick that one rock? Lion's on the verge of deactivating the final rune. The wolves are charging in at top speed. They're about to do it! They're about to pass their first grand proving! The crowd is roaring like never before! We're looking at history in the make- Well, Storm, there may have only been one trap, but that was a doozy. I mean, who needs a pit trap of spinning blades that big? It was almost the whole field. Even the wolves got mulched. Why? Why that one rock? Well, folks, the after effects of that one have left a large portion of the lower audience, the mega booth, and several of the windows of the VIP gala coated in a thick layer of Abraca bloodshed. This is a league first. You've all watched history in the making, and now we'll have to handle what this means for the next season while preparing for the Trials of Ascension. Storm, any bright teams on the roster for Ascension? Uh, sto Storm? Where, where'd you go? Psst. Down here, kid. You can't fire what you can't see. You cause a distraction and I'll make a break for the Danmerian border. <sighs> Storm, we're in the middle of the ocean. Good thinking, Kipper. International waters. Meet me out back in ten minutes with a change of clothes one of those three-foot party subs from the Gala Buffet. I'm gonna take us somewhere safe. <laughs> well, despite that, uh, juicy finish, we've got a lot more LUQ preseason competition on the horizon. Join us next time as we watch with bated breath as well-known teams from past seasons put it all on the line to climb the ranks and make their way to the top of the questing ladder and into the history books, here on the League of Ultimate Questing.
I'm going to start by going around the table, as we usually do. I'm starting with... Sam! Woo! I, was I supposed to do like a high five there? I almost, th there was a hand and I was like. No, I this? was, I was gesturing like I was going to like slap, like tag you in. And then oh. I didn't, I didn't touch you because we hadn't consented this to that. This is a so. consistent level of awkwardness. Yeah. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Nailed it. I'm Michael. I'm next to Sam. I play Harithax, the, the now two and a half eyed dragonborn warlock. I'm level nine though. How do you have a half eye? I don't know. I don't really have an eye. I have a bulge. <laughs> I've been meaning to ask if he can. Yeah, you do. Oh my god! Uh. I've been meaning to ask if he can if he can see through that eye because um, that would give you some extra like peripheral vision, right? Like from above, you you what? wouldn't get surprised by anything in the sky. I kind the way that Law described it, I kind of imagine I have like a goose egg with a rune on top of it, not actually an eyeball. It's pretty close. Yeah. Anyway, uh, hi, uh, I'm Alante, and I play Chris Grant. <laughs> I'm Zachary Barkas. I play Artem Volkov, the Cleric of Sunlight and Suffering. I'm also the technical director and editor for Slapdash Studios. And today we should be having a new editor. Uh, and if so, you probably heard about that in mid-roll. But yeah. thank you again. I bet they did a super good job. So good. My name is Law. I'm the Dungeon Master, creative director of Slapdash Studios. Perfect. Thank you for listening. New episodes of LUQ go live on Mondays. So far. Every Monday, wildfires, COVID, doesn't matter. It's happening wow. every fucking Monday. Yeah, <laughs> insane to think. We about. need an LUQ shirt that just says "Every fucking Monday." Every yeah. yeah. fucking Monday. Yeah. 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 Be a good yeah. shirt. Unfortunately, if then we miss one, then well, unfortunately, <laughs> well Except then that one, then we can retire yeah. the shirt, and it'll be like you know, most fucking Monday. Yeah. Somebody will like give us a message that's like, "You said every fucking Monday." Yeah. Well, then, and, like, then it'll we make the gear lives. exclusive back from <laughs> when we did actually manage every Monday. <laughs> Too much overtalk. Continue. Yeah. It's true. Thank you for listening. Uh, please let us help us continue growing. Share with your friends. Follow our social media. Check out theluq.com where you can find links to all of the all of the things. All of the things. All the things. They're there. Um, does anybody have anything to plug? Nothing specific. Mm -hmm. Nothing specific. I'm still on the Godsfall podcast. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's still happening. That's so cool. Majorly overdue to record, but that's not <laughs> surprising. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Nobody else has anything cool? No. All right, I feel bad for plugging my one thing. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we look forward to growing and questing together. I hope y'all are hyped, because as we go into the Trial of Ascension, we need you to wish us luck. <laughs>